not a member of the church here, um, you are invited to a special gathering that will take place immediately after the service. So that's why we're short in the service, so you'll feel a little better about staying a little longer. Let me see if I can entice you about staying. Uh, if you're not a member of the church here yet or uh, ever, then right across the uh, courtyard in the fellowship hall, it's over there and to your left, we're going to have some uh, some Porto's food and appetizers and some beverages that you'll enjoy. Now, uh, all of you are not invited. Sorry, I. I Maybe I forgot to tell you that part, but it's really just for the newcomers and uh, perhaps if, uh, if, you know, one of the members here and it's your friend or your neighbor or your co-worker that's here, then you're invited to come as well. But uh, I'm sure it'll be a smaller gathering, an intimate gathering, but the idea is we're planning to do this once a month. The idea is that Mary Kay and I will be there and uh, we'll be able to meet with you and connect with you and get to know you and introduce our church uh, to you a little bit better and perhaps answer questions that you might have. And we hope it'll be helpful for you in your your particular journey of faith. So that's going to be happening immediately afterwards. Uh, you don't want to delay getting over there because all the food might be gone. Again, do I need to mention the people that are not invited? OK, is that that's all clear to you. OK, um, that's immediately after today. Uh, a couple of things to remind you, 2 o'clock today, the mentoring training for those that are interested in helping to mentor 7th through 12th graders here in the church. And then also Wednesday night, we have our uh, monthly men's midweek. That'll be here at 7.30. Then, uh, very special, Sarah, come on up. Uh, Sarah Callahan, her husband, uh, Les, lead a, a small group for us. And she has a, uh, a very special announcement to be able to share with you and to make. I am so excited to introduce you guys to Sandra Chavez. If you could stand up, Sandra. Sandra. Stay standing. Just stay standing. Sandra is getting baptized today. Otherwise known as Freddie's mom. Um, you know, I think um, Sandra has an amazing heart, and I'll just briefly share, you know, when we studied the Bible being the Word of God, she was so eager to make it her standard. And when we, just, when we studied, you know, discipleship and what it means to be a disciple, she was really desperate to make Jesus Lord. And I use that word desperate, um, ready to give up anything, go anywhere, and do anything. So... Um, I think my prayer for you guys, um, she is equally as desperate to make you her family. And so if you would embrace her as family, that's the kind of heart she has. So she'll be getting baptized today, so please embrace her. Thank you, guys. Very excited about that. That'll be happening immediately after the service as well. Uh, in the uh, courtyard over here, there's a baptistry set up. Uh, if you've never seen a baptism, you should stop by. Uh, it's a uh, it's a great experience. And as I said earlier, when Milda was sharing, we don't believe that it's some empty ritual or some uh, just something that you do. But we remember it's a very special point in time. It's really the last thing that happens before somebody is converted to Christ 
is that they're baptized into Christ. So uh, very excited about uh, Sandra, Freddie's mom. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, it's always good to be family in uh, more than one way, right? Uh, and that's what Sandra will be for sure. Let's uh, turn over in your Bibles to uh, Nehemiah. If you have a Bible with you, if you don't, you can listen or maybe you can read on the person next to you. Are we going to be able to put that on the screen? Nehemiah chapter one. If you've been here in the last couple of weeks, you know that we've started a new series on Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah. And I'll give you a little bit of background, but we're going to do something a little different with it today. Um, I'm going to cover some of the same material that I've talked about the last couple of weeks, but a little different perspective. Uh, The title of the lesson is The Story. Not a story, but the story. And I want to talk about that in a, uh, hopefully in a way that will help you if you are here for the first time and don't know much about God or Jesus or the Bible, then uh, hopefully this will help you to understand the story of the Bible, God's story. Uh, but perhaps even if you've been here for a long time and you feel like you know the story, uh, I hope today will help you to perhaps be able to explain the story or to share the story in a more powerful and effective way. Stories are uh, fantastic, aren't they? We love stories. You know, anybody here uh, like stories? Yes. Movies. Movies are stories. Why do we enjoy movies? They're stories. Television. You ever ask yourself, why are there so many stations on my television? You know, I get, even if you get a basic package, you've got hundreds of stations with hundreds of programs, and mostly what you've got there are stories, books, stories. Stories are powerful. Talking about movies, to illustrate uh, how much we love stories, any idea how much money is spent annually in the United States just on buying tickets to attend movies? Somebody said something. One billion? That's a good guess. For the last 20 years, imagine this. Now, we're a country of, what, 300 and something million people now. In the last 20 years, accounting for inflation, in America, we have spent one to $1.5 billion every year going to movies. Stories. Who knows what the, uh, the, 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 the most popular movie was in uh, 2015? Yes, The Force Awakens. By the way, that is still in theaters if you have not yet seen it. You still have an opportunity, but I, I looked this up. Any idea how many tickets to date have been sold for the Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens? Any idea how many tickets? One. Is that a one, Kevin? I don't think so. This is, this is kind of incredible. 100 million tickets, over 100 million tickets have been sold so far. 
stories. And we inherently know this, but science, neuroscience in particular, has now studied this and informed us that when somebody tells a story, it engages us in a very unique and special way. That parts of our brain get activated that would not otherwise be activated. And stories have this ability. We know inherently that they're powerful. Stories can move us. Stories can change us. Stories can inspire us. Stories engage us. Stories make things memorable. Stories are so much of life, right? God made us that way. We are hardwired to love stories. And I think we probably all uh, realize that. Now, that's one of the reasons that I love the Bible. Because you know what the Bible is? Hundreds of stories. And some people say, uh, talk about the Bible as if it is a book. Sometimes we say the, the book of the Bible. You know, that's not actually true. Did you know that? The Bible is not a book. It is a collection of books. The Bible is 66 books written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period, 1,600-year, about 1,500 B.C. to 100 A.D. And all of these authors and all of these books and all of these stories actually are summarized in one story. Do you believe that? The story. The story of God. And uh, it's very, very consistent, and perhaps I can convince you today that all the stories of the Bible actually tell us one story. Can you tell the, the story of the Bible? Do you know the story? What have I told you that I'm going to explain to you a, day, a way today to understand the story of the Bible in four words? Some of you are looking at me in utter amazement. So uh, some of you that have maybe uh, known the story for a while, what four words would you use? And I'm going to share with you perhaps four words that summarize this story, the greatest story ever told today. And it's not the only way, and it's just one way to perhaps look at it, but I hope it'll be helpful for you. Again, because I hope it'll be helpful if you don't know the story but if you do know the story, that will help you in your sharing the story with other people. Uh, let's go over to Nehemiah. You know, the great thing about Nehemiah is Nehemiah knows the story. People who are powerful for God and are used by God and fulfill their purpose in life are people who know the story. And I want to illustrate that from what we've already read, if you've been here before, in Nehemiah chapter 1. Let me give you a little background. 140 years before this, the Jewish people were punished by God because of their sin. They were overcome and conquered by the Babylonian kingdom. Many of the Jews were taken into exile, left their homeland, left Israel, left uh, Jerusalem, which, of course, is the, their capital city, the center of the Jewish culture. And that all happened 140 years ago. Since then... And when that happened, the, the temple of Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed. 
90 years ago, the Persians actually conquered the Babylonians and they did something very significant. The Persians started letting, encouraging even, the Jewish people to go back home. Now, they were still under subjection and they were still being ruled over by the Persian Empire, but they were allowed to go back home, even to rebuild their city. But that hadn't happened yet. The walls of Jerusalem were still down. And Nehemiah is simply an ordinary guy who's a servant in the, uh, the king's household, a Jew that's uh, been displaced. He's living in exile. He's living in Persia at the time. And he gets this report. And I want to use this. I want to read it again. Verse three, starting in verse three in chapter one through the end of the chapter. To tell the story of the Bible and God's story really in four words. And we'll start in verse three. Nehemiah gets a report about the condition of the Jewish people in Jerusalem, the condition of the city. It says in verse three. They said to me, this is Nehemiah speaking, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven. The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive, your ears be your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites included myself and my father's house. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delighted in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah knows the story. Four words. The first word I'm going to give you is love. That's where we got to begin. God's love and God's love that he has for all of us. That's the way it starts. That's what we need to understand in the story is that for some reason that we sometimes don't understand, God is crazy about us. God loves us. And just like any parent, any decent parent with their own children, God loves us in spite of how we act. In spite of our, uh, of how our children act. 
He created us in love. He made us as a people that he wanted to shower his love upon. If you go back to the very beginning, the Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the story begins to be told. And the story is told in such a way that it's clear that God created the universe that we live in, the planet that we live on. And he went through all these things and the the world that we live in is beautiful, majestic, full of treasures, even mysteries that are yet to be solved. But it's a great place where not just our needs are met, but it's a place of a blessing. And it's clear from the beginning that God designed all that. And created all that. And at the very end, the crowning glory was he created man. And he created woman. And God, in his desire to love us and bless us, created marriage and families. And the other thing it says in the Genesis is that he made us in his own image. I'm not sure we have any greater gifts than that. The idea that we could perhaps... Be like and imitate God himself. And so in a real way, the whole Bible just says that we are his children. Now, many of us are parents in here. I got a question for you. Why did you have children? Elmore is a new father and he's asking himself that. He says, I haven't had a moment of sleep in the last two weeks. And let's all encourage Elmore, it only gets worse. And if you add more children, it's going to get even worse. And yet, a lot of us know this, we even know it before we have children, that we're not having children because it's going to make our life easier. You know, i got to tell you, if you don't have children yet, let me just tell you, they cost money. They drain you of all your energy. They dominate your time. They bring anxiety and stress into your life. And frequently a broken heart. What a description, huh? And yet we keep having children. And all of us that are parents don't regret the decision that we made. Elmore, are you listening? No regrets. No regrets. The God had children for the same reason that we have children. The opportunity, even though it's risky, and even though it can be costly in a personal way, it's the opportunity to have this special relationship of shared love and unity that is, can I say it this way, as awesome as it gets. Nobody who's a parent here, a decent parent, and I know we've got a room full of them, doesn't think anything but, you know, the child or the children I have are some of the greatest blessings of my life. And, you know, I have children. I have three grown children, ages 25 to 31. I have two grandsons. I know. Isn't that cute? But, you know, they, uh, there is something about from the moment a child is born, 
your heart is grabbed. I want you to understand that because in a way that's so much greater that you can't even imagine, God loves us that way. Love, that's the first part of the story. And see, the great thing about Nehemiah is maybe a lot of people, maybe maybe most of the people, maybe nobody left remembered God's story. But that's where Nehemiah starts. He says, God of heaven, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. In spite of all that's happened, in spite of 140 years of Jerusalem being destroyed and the walls have not been rebuilt and how long it's been and how bad it's been. I know you. I know your story. I understand you, God, and you still love us. When you have the story, you understand the story. Then you have an opportunity to do something fantastic in your life and fantastic for God. So the first word is love. You guys writing this down? The second word is sin. Oh, I was afraid he's going to get to that. It's our sin. It's God's love. Second word is sin, because there's something that we have in common in this room today with everybody who's ever lived, who's ever walked the face of the earth in whatever culture and whatever language they spoke and how many years ago they lived. And you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, and there's something we have in common. We all have sinned. What do I mean by that? We all have decided and chosen to rebel against God and to go our own way. We either ignored God or we deliberately rebelled against Him. But we've gone our own way. We've left the path. And that's part of the story. And it's always true. And there are consequences to our sin. And it's not just that it, not just that it separates us from God and, prevent, and potentially could prevent us from having eternal life. It's not just that, you know, we're, 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 we're lost and, and we might go to hell or we would go to hell at some point in time. The consequences of sin, and we never know this when we start down that path, because sin always, it kind of looks good, doesn't it? That's why we do it. It's tempting. There's pleasure. There's short-term reward, it seems. But when you start down that path, and maybe you figured it out today, and maybe you haven't figured it out yet, what you're going to find there is just what the people of God found. You're going to find trouble and disgrace. And destruction. You know, the reason that things are called sin is not because God is trying to ruin our fun. God loves us and he wants to bless us. He's trying to protect us from a path that will destroy us. And what sin does is it numbs our hearts. It leads to an empty life. It, it, it separates people. Leads to broken relationships. Guilty consciences, shame, consequences we never anticipated when we started out that road. And Nehemiah knows the story. And Nehemiah says, I know what's going on and I know what's happened. And I know it's because of our sin. If you want to understand God's story, if you want to participate in God's story, 
you're going to have to look at yourself and you're going to have to look at your sin. If not now, then it's sometime in the future. The third word is grace. Grace means that people who deserve nothing are treated as if they deserve everything. It's God's grace. In spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion, God still wants us back. And He's provided a way for us to come back. And of course, that's where ultimately the message of Jesus comes in. And there's the opportunity to be forgiven. And there's the opportunity to be transformed. And there's the opportunity to go back and begin again. To be restored, to be saved, to be renewed. God's grace. In spite of all that we may have done, He still wants us back. Nehemiah understands the story. That's why he says this prayer. He says, God, I know who you are and I know who we are. But in spite of all that, I understand and know that you are a God of grace. And then in spite of all that, you still want us back. That's awesome. That's the story. You know, uh, we need to understand this correctly. Sometimes when we're living in sin, we think that God has turned his back on us. Do you know what the truth is? God didn't turn his back on us. We turned our back on God. God is always facing us. God never turns his back on us. And even when we've been gone, and we've been gone a long time, and we've been gone a long way, He's still facing us and wants us to turn around. So now you ready for the fourth word? Love. God's love. Number one. Number two, sin. Our sin. Number three, grace. God's grace. Number four is faith. Our faith. The story of the Bible is that we can be restored, that we can be forgiven, that we can be saved if by faith we decide to put our full trust in God. Now, faith is a big word. And in the moments that we have here, I can't fully describe it for you. It's a big word. It means we've fully committed ourselves to God, to the Lord. That we're going to live for Him. It means that we're going to renounce sin and we're going to repent of sin. It means that we're going to get baptized. It means a lot of things. But it's God's grace in our faith. And you know, that's the... That's the message of the Bible. Nehemiah understands that. You see what he says? He says, I know who you are, God. I know you're a God of grace. And I know that if me and the rest of the people will simply return to you in faith and live for you again 
and obey you and follow you and submit to you and trust you, then I know this can all turn around. No matter where you're at this morning, I got some good news for you. You may be in a terrible place spiritually. You may still be up at number two, sin. But I got some good news for you. God is nearer than you think. And the story in Nehemiah illustrates it so beautifully. Because a wall that had been destroyed 140 years ago was rebuilt in 52 days. And you know why? Because there was a guy. Sometimes it just takes one. There was a guy. And that's why I love Nehemiah. He shows the possibilities that are there for you, for me, for our church. Even though it had been the way it had been forever, he knew the story. He embraced the story of God. And in faith, he launched out to do something that nobody perhaps thought could be done. That those walls, wonder how long it could take to rebuild the walls of your life. You know what I got to say to you? You may be just like the people that's described here. You may be in trouble. You may be in disgrace. You know, you may feel destroyed. You may feel like God is nowhere to be found. He's nearer than you think. In your life, in your path, in your opportunity, you could turn things around a lot faster than you may think. Do you know the story? Can you explain the story? Can you share the story? And so what we all need to do today is we need to find our place in God's story. I don't know where you are. I just know that I'm out of time. I don't know where you are today. You may still be somebody who does is not convinced that God loves you that much. That's a problem for a lot of people, isn't it? You know what you need to do? You start reading the stories. You may be somebody who's living in sin and you think your sin is not a big deal and you think God really doesn't care and you don't think there's any consequences. You know what you need to do? You need to read the stories. You may be somebody that cannot believe that God is that gracious, that he would forgive no matter what I've done and no matter how long I've been doing it. And you just think I'm beyond saving and I'm hopeless and. You just can't wrap your mind around grace, and I understand how hard it is. You know what you need to do? You need to read the stories. And you may think, well, that faith thing, that is, it can't be all there is to it. It can't be that I just return to God in faith and make Jesus Lord of my life and that everything is going to change around, and I just can't believe faith is that powerful. You know what you need to do? Come on, now by now you know. Thank you. I thought nobody was paying attention, Rob. 
Thank you for saying that. Hundreds of stories. But really one story. God's story. God wants us all to find our place in his story. And I hope today we'll encourage you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for uh, Sandra's decision to make Jesus Lord, to come to you in faith and personally appreciate what uh, what you're offering her. She's uh, certainly come to understand your story. Help us all to understand where we are. Help us all to understand how we can share that story with others. And um, just take advantage of all the wonderful things that you have in store for us. Thank you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, remember, baptism immediately. Newcomers welcoming uh, gathering in the Fellowship Hall immediately.